everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Morning, everybody, and welcome to the Vineyard. I'm really glad you guys came. You can have a seat. My name is Amos. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Before we get started, I would invite you to grab a Bible, or if you didn't, uh, if you didn't notice, there's some on the back tables, or pull out your Bibles. While you do that, I want to draw attention to the fact that today is the last day to register for our emotionally focused intensive which is this coming Friday and Saturday. It is, it is really a core piece of our formation, of our discipleship, of finding our, uh, our relationship with Jesus to be the vitality that helps us live our lives. For me personally, it's, I was sharing this with a friend. There's a whole lot about me that I didn't know about me. And Emotionally Focused helped unlock that so that I could be a better husband, father, pastor, friend, listener. Um, And so I just, I encourage anybody to go through this process. It is, it can be intense, it can be difficult, but you're doing work that will bear fruit in your life and hopefully overflow into the lives of others. So we have been in a series called Contemplative Charismatic, and we will be looking at John 15 today. This is a very famous passage, but I have found the identifier, Contemplative Charismatic, to be so meaningful to my own life with Jesus because it, it brings together the, like, the passion, the zeal, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the high-energy excitement along with the long term, I'm staying connected to Jesus. I'm doing spiritual practices. I'm bringing Jesus into my everyday. And so at its root, to be a contemplative means to gaze or pay attention to Jesus, to build that friendship, to grow in our love for him and for others. And to be charismatic means to build and live into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And a few weeks ago, I put a little chart up to kind of help show the two sides of contemplative and charismatic. I don't think these things are intention. I think they actually have a lot of harmony to them. But today, uh, we'll be leaning toward some more contemplative themes, just as last week we leaned more toward the charismatic themes. But pay attention to the intimacy The way we read the Bible, so even as we read the Bible today, we'll be leaning into a contemplative practice called Lectio Divina, Um, and the idea is that we're trying to let the Bible transform us and enter into a loving place with Jesus, Uh, but also the way that the Spirit works is to form us, to help us notice what our heart is doing, how our heart is affecting the ways that we live, what might be kind of scrambling our heart or disconnecting us from our heart. And so the work of spiritual formation is to draw close to Jesus and let him change us. So let's see here. I I also feel like in the contemplative, we create space for the worn out, the weary, 
the unsure, and the insecure. So if you just don't have the energy to get up and sing your heart out, the contemplative creates a space to find rest in the presence of Jesus. And I know that uh, we live in a very loud and noisy and busy world that's full of input and information and entertainment. In fact, they've done studies that say, well, our beds are softer and our computers are quieter, the level of noise over the last century has more than quadrupled in the world. And historically, let's just say you're out in nature, let's say you're going down, like there's, there's kind of a, like a noise to nature, but if something loud comes in, intrudes, what does that mean? Threat, watch out. And so with the level of noise quadrupling, we're all living in a higher level of threat awareness. And that, I mean, especially over the last few years, might help explain why so many people are so short-fused, why we might ourselves find, ourself, find uh, the level of kind of latent anxiety, like I'm always just a little bit on edge, I'm always a little closer to losing my mind, uh, and so are my friends. Uh, it, it's partly just because it's noisy. And so the work of formation is creating space to find quiet with God. We're trying to find quiet, life-giving relationship to plug into the person and presence of Jesus. And so when Nowen, Henry Nowen, have you guys ever read Henry Nowen? He's worth reading. I've read like half dozen, a dozen books of his over the last 15 years. When I read Henry Nowen, it's like, I'm getting a heart massage. And so I was on my way to Aldi earlier this week, and I had this horrible memory of putting the quarter that you used to unlock the cart into my pocket last time I was at Aldi. I'm like, oh no, I'm halfway to Aldi and I don't have a quarter. But I'm listening to Henry Nowen on my audiobook, and I'm like, nope, I am being present to God. I will go to Aldi and I will accept what will be. Even if I cannot buy more than four things, <laughs> because I'm also carrying my 18-month-old. And so I'm just, I'm returning, you know, like normally I'd be driving to Aldi, and I don't get worked up about a lot of things, but not having a quarter at Aldi is one of the things for me that really gets me worked up. Does anyone else have, have has this happened to you on the way to Aldi? I don't have a quarter. I get to Aldi, and what do I see? Someone had left a cart in the far side of the parking lot. And I say to Viva, my 18-month, thank God. And I meant it. It was, it was like, it's the contemplative moment of like, you know what? God can be present to me in the parking lot of Aldi, not just in the, like, the most exciting moment of a worship service. And to say thank God, to realize that, you know, maybe God didn't have much to do with this, but he's present. <laughs> to me in this moment, and I can be grateful. And he's doing something inside of me. Okay, so we're going to read from John 15. It'd be worth having your Bibles out. We'll read it a few times throughout this service. We're going to do it in the form of Lectio Divina. Let me read the Henry Nouwen quote. Let me read from, uh, let me read another quote from, well, this cool guy named, oh, what's his name? We'll get there. It's a funny name. It just flew out of my head. Henry Nowen says, spiritual formation is a call to discipleship, a call to follow Jesus radically and so become his true brothers 
and sisters, sons and daughters of God. And when we belong to Jesus, we belong with him to his heavenly father and to each other. Having found our true home in God, we can then live in the world without becoming subject to its obsessions, compulsions, and addictions. And so the work of formation is the work of me driving to Aldi, like living, remembering, leaning into the fact that I am a son of God. What does it mean to be a son or a daughter of God? It means I'm receiving his love and it's changing the way that I view the world. And so as we do this Lectio Divina uh, reading of John 15, it's like a combination of prayer and Bible reading. So that the object is that we're actually having this relational connection with God. We're, we're paying attention to the reality that God is present to us. To read this quote from the Russian mystic named Theophan. You see why I couldn't remember that? Theophan. I've never, I mean, do you know any Theophans? Anyway, Russian mystic says this about prayer. To pray is to descend with the mind into the heart and there to stand before the face of the Lord ever-present, all-seeing within you. So as we read this scripture over a few times, we're trying to get it from the information into the reality that this is creating a passageway or a window into our relationship with God. We are in the presence of God, and he is speaking to us. So with that, would you guys please stand? My friend Austin is going to come up and do the first reading for us. This is the reading where we just pay attention to what uh, is being said, and we stand because we honor God, the one who is trying to reveal himself to us in this reading, and because we trust the authority of the Bible. So go ahead, Austin. Bible reading from John 15, 1 through 5, and 9 through 12. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branch that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have loved you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So come Holy Spirit. We turn our hearts to you in prayer. We ask that these words would penetrate our hearts. That in them we would find your great love for us. That we would be able to remain or abide or draw life from your love. We pray that it would change us, soften us, draw us towards you. Amen. You guys can have a seat.
So what I'm going to do now is read through this passage again and give some commentary before reading through it kind of in, in its fullness again later uh, so that we can, again, just let the words settle into our hearts. Jesus says here, I am the true grape vine. This is a, uh, an image that would have been very familiar to the people living in Israel at the time. If you've ever been to Napa, you've seen how grape vines grow. We have a few around Pennsylvania here and there, but it's, it doesn't quite reflect the weather because in Pennsylvania, it rains a lot. And that actually means that the, the wine isn't that great. The best wine comes from the conditions where there is not a lot of rain, where the vines uh, and the roots really have to go deep to draw their nutrients. There's like, there's a struggle. It might, you might even say it's a little bit painful for the vine, but what it creates is a complexity and a beauty in its fruit. Jesus says, I am the great vine and my father is the gardener. What does the gardener do? to help these vines operate at their maximum potential. It says, verse 2, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he helps, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. And why why does he do that? So that it creates more and better fruit. So there are basically two kinds of branches that Jesus is talking about here. The interesting thing is these two branches are both talking about people who are connected or uh, somehow attached to the vine. The first kind of branch is the kind of branch that doesn't bear any fruit. You might call this a formal or in kind of spiritual terms, just a, a purely religious connection to the vine. So this is someone who, like, they, they try to live a pretty good life. You know, they're, they're nice people. They're moral people. They come to church. They check the boxes. But their relationship with Jesus isn't giving them life. Something else is giving them life. Maybe it's their job. Maybe it's the pride they take in the kind of parent they are, or the kind of person they are, right? I said, these are nice, moral people. They're doing their best. But it says here that There's no real life. There's no fruit-giving life that is flowing into them. You might think of these branches as dead branches or maybe, maybe just existing branches. They're going through the motion branches. This kind of branch is the kind of branch that is being called to repentance in this passage. Jesus is saying, it's time to change the way that you connect to me. I want you to be like this second kind of branch, the kind of branch that gets its very life, meaning, purpose. I am the most important thing to it. Everything in their life is actually drawn from me. And even this branch gets cut. So in both cases, there's cutting that happens. There's pruning that happens. The second kind of branch that is drawing its life from Jesus has invested in people, and these people have walked away, has invested in their church, and the things that they did kind of crumbled over time. Or maybe they were asked by God to relocate and start something new and walk away from the years or decades of time and energy and sweat and tears. 
that they had put into. There's a pruning that happens to each and every branch. What we have to decide is, how are we getting cut? <laughs> how are we inviting Jesus in to do the pruning? Are we focused on, through the work of formation, our relationship with him, the place by which we connect to him, or are we focused on something else? And I think a lot of times the church gets this backwards. We, we try to like bear fruit without clinging on to the person or the relationship that we have with Jesus. And without that vitality, without that life-giving connection, the kind of fruit that we bear will be our fruit. We'll be building our kingdom, not Jesus' kingdom, not Jesus' fruit. It says in verse, well, I'll just keep reading. Verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, in the New Testament, there's basically two kinds of fruit. Do you know what they are? There's the kind of fruit that John 4 talks about. This would be considered like external or evangelistic fruit or kingdom fruit. Something is flowing out from you. Uh, the kind of fruit that Jesus calls harvest fruit. There's a message that goes out. People respond to the message and come and connect into the vine, you might say. Or it's not only salvation. Uh, it could include caring for the poor. It could, be it could include praying for the sick, like these sort of outflowing fruits. But there's another kind of fruit that Jesus seems to be emphasizing here, the kind of fruit that Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. This is what happens in us as we connect to Jesus. And they're not, they're not disconnected fruit. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control lead to the kind of ministry that Jesus does. Without love, peace, joy, without all these internal fruits, the kind of fruit that we bear, the kind of fruit that we hope to see in our lives, the external fruit, the evangelistic fruit, will often, well, I mean, it's all by the grace of God. If it happens, it will be, uh, it will, will do so because we're comp compelled or anxious. Or A lot of the times we won't even get over the hump of sharing our faith or being a witness to Jesus because we're so afraid of how people might reject us. If we have an internal piece of like, no, my life source is in the person of Jesus, not in whether or not people like me or will reject me. There's, there's a freedom that comes. There's a peace and a joy that will become attractive to others. So there's two kinds of fruit. There's the kind of fruit like I am fruitful in the world, but there's also the kind of fruit that comes through formation through the inner work of God in each of us. We'll jump down to verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So I want to put up a picture of where 
the vine and the branches connect. I want to ask you, what do you notice about this connection between vine and branches? Well, there's a point where the two are almost indistinguishable. Like, you see that little knob? Is that the vine or is that the branch? Well, it's both a little bit, isn't it? And that's what Jesus is after. He's very concerned about that point of intimacy, that point of union. Uh, Paul will use language like, you are in Christ. And when G like the best metaphor we have is the one that Jesus gives you. It's like the way that a branch connects to a vine. There's a union there. There's a connection. There's a relationship. Almost like uh, two becoming one. And you'll notice other things perhaps about this picture. You'll notice how like actually that, that point of connection looks like it, it's been tested a little bit. Maybe it's been pruned a little bit. There's, there's a gnarliness to it. And it might look at just, wow, this, this relationship has been through a lot. But you might also see the beauty in the history. And your relationship with Jesus is probably similar if you've been following him for very long. There's been moments where you have shared pain or where the relationship has been tenuous at best. <laughs> where the connection is maybe creating a little static. Just for instance. Or I'm not, I'm not hearing God right now. Like, where are you, God? I, I'm, I need you in this moment. Where, where are you? Where's your voice? What are you saying? There used to be something. Why don't I feel it now? I want to ask you in this moment, what is that connection, your connection, with Jesus like right now, today? What is that connection? What is that place in your life with Jesus like today? It might be amazing. It might be that you feel close to Jesus, that you've seen how he's been present in your pain. And that's a, that's a moment of gratitude. Like you can show gratitude to Jesus. It might be like, oh, I am, I am so disconnected. I am so overwhelmed. I am so desert dry. And then the like, if that's the case, what do you want God to say to you in this moment? What would you want God to say to you? It could be very personal. The words that Jesus uses in this passage are, I have loved you, even as I have loved, even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. One of the ways to talk about this connection between us and Jesus, between the branch and the vine, is to use the word prayer. Now, so we, sometimes prayer is used in a very limited sense, like I am asking God for things, or even simply I am thanking God for things. These, these are good things to do. This is part of a relationship, but if we, could, if we could zoom out and talk about prayer a little more broadly, maybe, oh, what's that guy's name again? Theo? 
Theophan, thank you. Allison is a spiritual director. You guys were paying attention, I guess, my brain. Theophan, like a descent from the head into the heart. In the words of Henry Nouwen, the discipline of prayer is the intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. So is there space in your life to be with Jesus, whatever that looks like? Maybe it's during a workout. Maybe it's during a commute. Maybe it's during a quiet time. Maybe it's during bedtime. Whatever it is, is there space? At the end of the day, we talk about spiritual disciplines, but it's not discipline like I lift weights or I shoot baskets and then I get better. The discipline is creating space for God to work and meet us and change us and transform us and to bear fruit in our life. John Wimber is one of the uh, founders of the Vineyard Movement, and he wrote a book called Prayer, Intimate Connection. That's, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the work of formation. That's what we mean by when we say, if you're worn out, weary, just not feeling the highs, experiences, the, the buzz, there's still a way to meet with Jesus. He says it this way. There's a relationship between abiding in Jesus and obeying Jesus. It is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus and a relationship with him that's intimate and eternal. It's imperfect on my part, but perfect on his part. Perfectly provisioned on his part, imperfect in response on my part. Saving us isn't enough. He wants to love us. I say that again. Saving us isn't enough for him. He wants to love us. Taking us to heaven wouldn't be enough. He wants to be our intimate friend. He wants to talk with us, be with us, enjoy us. And so like I said, the work of formation is paying attention to that place where vine and branch meet. What is blocking me from receiving the love of Jesus and then showing it freely to others? What has been said to me? Where is my heart now? I'm paying attention. I'm receiving grace. I'm remaining in love. I'm moving toward him. I'm reminded that he's already moved toward me. You see, the person of Jesus gives us a, the picture of what the character of God is really like. And so much of who we are, how we behave, how we think of ourselves, how we think of others, goes back to our God image. So we believe that we were created in the image of God. So all the goodness, kindness, peace, joy, love, that God is, we are meant to be. But somewhere along the line, our view of God has been skewed. Some of us think that God is out there like the giant, you know, third grade teacher just marking up our papers, trying to move that A minus to a B plus or B minus to a C. Or, you know, Santa Claus is actually not a graceful person. Uh, he's always like, you know, keeping a naughty list and a good list. Not a, it's different than the way that a father views 
a child. It's the father says, I love you, and I will discipline you for your good. And Santa says, uh, I'm keeping track of your behavior, and I will give you presents accordingly, right? The, the beautiful thing is that while Jesus promises to tend to us, he has actually been cut for us. He has been pruned on our behalf as he goes to the cross, as he suffers, and as he dies. He takes our place. It is a display of love that restores the relationship between us and him. And in resurrection, in his resurrection from the dead, there's a power that is released and there is a spirit that is sent and there is life that is offered. And so let me read again from John 15. Pay attention with your hearts. Let the words soak into your spirit. Let them be the words of Jesus to you in whatever place you are and whatever the connection you have right now looks like. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I have loved you, verse 9, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.